perhaps you will consider this. Watching as a child changes over the months, days, unable to stop the change into something terrible, something a father can't love. What's good about it? We got a message from Amanda this morning. Is she gonna be late? She's gone off on her own. You should just listen. It's meant for you. Walter, I'm calling here so you get this message in the morning. I don't want you worrying, but I'm headed back to the island. What? Tonight. Yeah, alone. I'm taking a boat out on my own. God damn it! I'll be all right. So relax. How am I supposed okay? to relax? I can hear you cursing now. The last trip she made out there. I know there. you're worried because of what happened last time with Connor and I. Amanda? I'm hoping you can cover. Connor. No, she's not here. Come in. Oh, too bad. I found some info for her about Willow Island at the Historical Society down in Concord. Wait. You need to hear this. She went out to the island alone. I'm hoping you can cover the show what? today. What? After what happened on her last Connor visit? Connor should be there soon. If I go out alone, they might be more likely to make contact with me again like they did last August. I don't... I don't think they want to hurt Oh, me. she's not really... They had an opportunity last time. And we were okay when we came to in the boat. Is she out of her mind? I need to do this alone. God, Amanda, what are you I thinking? I promise to get good audio. Good audio? Am I that Just much of a jerk about audio? Just let Connor know. And Mike, don't worry. No, no, I'm not worried. I'll be fine. See you all in a day or two. I brought everything I need. Oh. She brought everything. Right. We wandered around in a daze for hours with no sense of time, and then we blacked out. I'm sure it was the stones. We could see a ring of them around the island, glowing red in the water. She went back. She knows how dangerous this is. She said not to come looking for her, but damned if I'm just going to sit here. Well, it'll have to wait until after the show. Police won't do anything for 48 hours. I'm going to go make some calls, see if she left a trail. Listen, on the island we saw a memorial to Eberhard Peterson, the captain of a whaling ship lost at sea in 1864. According to the county records, the only house on the island was built by his family the same year as the memorial. That's got to be the house where I was taken by Giddens. I caught up with him yesterday. He's not exactly easy to deal with, but I think he'll help us. He seems to think Ebba has some sort of control over his youngest son, Frederick. Yes, well, the records show that the house is now owned by Ebba Peterson, the captain's great-granddaughter, I'm guessing. But that monument, I think it was carved from the stones from the bottom of the lake. Damn it. We can't talk about this on the show, or we run the risk of Ebba finding out we're onto her. And with Amanda on her way out to the island... We better keep this quiet until she's safe.
Cup of coffee, please. You got it. I'm in town trying to catch up with a co-worker, and I'm wondering if maybe he's coming here. He's about six feet, heavy set. <laughs> to be honest, he kind of looks like a wrestler. You must mean Jerry. He's not in trouble or anything, is he? Nah, nothing like that. You've got to tell us where he was staying, and I've got some papers he needs for a meeting. Any idea? Well, as long as you work with him. He comes in a lot. People are always asking for his autograph, and... Yeah, he's staying over at the Carlton, just down the road. That's great. Thanks. He'll be glad we found him. I think I'll take a piece of that pie. Now you're talking. Doctor's log, May 12th, 1864. The ship still lies becalmed in a part of the sea where this is essentially unheard of. After witnessing the captain suddenly grabbing hold of a rail to steady himself, and remaining there as if waiting for something to pass, I managed to convince him to come below deck for a brief examination. Raise your arms, please. Glands are fine, no sign of scurvy. But I can see from your face that you haven't been sleeping. And I don't need a scale to see that you've lost at least five pounds in the last week. I'll not mince words with you, Captain. You are showing unmistakable signs of neurasthenia. I'll admit that I haven't been sleeping enough. As for eating, I find it distasteful to fill myself when my crew are being deprived of proper nourishment. A noble intention, sir, but a ship needs a captain to be alert. I'd like to recommend three days rest below decks. But the air down here is not conducive to healing. I can't allow this ship to go the way of the Augustus Danforth. Mm, I'm not familiar with that vessel, sir. 1841, off the coast of Greenland. The Danforth was icebound for months. I spoke with an old tar who was himself one of only three to survive the voyage. The crew endeavored daily to break the ship free of the ice, only managing to lose more men each day into fissures that froze back up overnight. He described the sound of the ice as it froze in the night, a cracking sound that echoed across the barren white. As if sending a message to the surrounding terrain, Hold them here. No one shall pass. This icy cage will be your tomb. In my thoughts, I could hear the sound he described. It was the sound of unthinking eternity, working slowly to return us all to the void. I hear it myself when the sea is too calm. The pull of the Eternal does have a sound. 
It is the sound of ice forming around a ship. I won't allow that fate to befall this crew, Doctor. But surely it is not nearly cold enough at this latitude, sir. Of course not, no. But it does not stop my mind from wandering to such a dark place on occasion. A windless sea will have the same effect on a crew in the end. Sir, such talk only increases my resolve that you should have some days of rest before returning to command. Is it not possible for the first It is not possible, Doctor. Our situation will not improve while I slumber. Tomorrow we will begin kedging. If the wind won't blow, we'll pull the Barrington out ourselves. Needless to say, this did not satisfy me as to his condition. I record here my protestation that he returned to his duties in such a condition. He is clearly fighting his own darkest thoughts and is at times overcome by a brain fog, which could have dire consequences if allowed to persist. Perhaps if the kedging proves successful, he will get as much needed rest. More grog over here. This some pork is more salt than pork. These biscuits are harder than the planks of the jails. I checked in on Crewman Unthank early this morning, who had apparently been awakened by a paroxysm in the night. Witnesses said he sat bolt upright in his bunk, swinging his hands ferociously in the air around him. When I saw him, he asked that we speak in private. We came back to my quarters, and he explained. Doctor, I have hesitated to confide in you for fear of being branded unfit and thrown in the brig. As I have seen Mr. Greaves do with other crewmen who display any sort of emotional distress. I am not mad, Doctor, I assure you. But it is also true that I have not been quite the same since the dive. You have my assurance Mr. Greaves will hear not a word. He is no ally of mine. Thank you. It is as if I returned changed somehow by the sound I heard sound that came from the glowing red rocks beneath the sea. To be fully honest, I sometimes find myself half in dreams. I see apparitions and all manner of things that I... I cannot explain. I see. Thomas, you have been under a great deal of strain. That this feels unreal to you is not unusual. One's own thoughts can be a frightening place. You must set your mind to getting well, and nothing else. Busy yourself as much as possible on deck. The sea air will help, no doubt. For the sake of calming his mental state, I did not let on that I, too, was worried. The best I could do was to encourage him to carry on, and hope that the wind might return soon to deliver us from this state of constant dread. What are you doing? Your stones? You know Pop told you not to play with those. I gotta take them away. Now come on. You know what he said. I gotta go throw these back in the lake now. I know. But we have to. We gotta get you better. 
Don't you want to be like you were before? We could go out fishing and maybe go to the movies. Like before. You know, I talked to Pop today. I asked him who that man was yesterday and why they were fighting. He didn't want to say nothing, but I told him. I said we overheard it. I'm worried about Pop Frederick. And, and I'm worried about you too. We gotta keep you safe. It's not your fault what's happening to you. You see that island out there? That's where she lives. The witch. I'm gonna fix this, Frederick. I'm going out there. Thanks for listening to Season 2, Episode 7 of Under Dead Water. Our cast this week was Aaron Lillis, Chris Burke, Clayton Romero, Amanda Goodman, Mike Hall, Maurice Thomas, Tamara Yadal, Bonnie Bogovich, Graham Rowett, David Steele, and Mark Devaney. Music is by Glomag. Sound design is by Chris Burke and Clayton Romero. Our episodes are released every other Wednesday with our Twitch stream on In Between Wednesdays. This is where we talk about all things Mandible Judy with the cast, crew, and guests. You can view it at twitch.tv slash mandiblejudy. Please consider supporting our show on Patreon or Supercast. For as little as a dollar per episode, you can get some cool rewards like bonus episodes. And at higher tiers, you can pick up one of our severed thumb drives and other perks. Go to patreon.com slash mandiblejudy or mandiblejudy.supercast.com and help us keep the story going. We're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and the show is available to stream on all major streaming platforms. See you in two weeks. <laughs>